0: Kelly and I are so excited to introduce our guest on this week's episode of Real Fun Sports. She has been, she has over 15 years of broadcasting experience in the sports industry. Hockey fans know her voice really well. She was the host of Ice Cap on Sirius XM NHL radio. Michelle Sterino joins us today to talk about her experiences in the sports media industry. Michelle. How are things going? I know you're calling in from up north um, over the border. How are things going? Thank you so much for coming on and talking about sports with
1: Kelly and I. Well, thank you so much for having me first and foremost. Um, Things are going pretty well, I guess. Uh, In terms of, I guess you could say the pandemic and stuff, things are kind of going like this with us here in Ontario. Um, So we're technically where I am. We're in a lockdown right now, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. So... Um, you find ways to kind of stay busy and uh, keep working and stuff like that. But uh, overall, so far, so good. So uh,
0: give us a little bit of your background for maybe people that aren't really familiar with your story, how you got into broadcasting and how you kind of had a passion for hockey.
1: Um, so like you mentioned off the top, 15 years of experience I pretty much did everything from my first foray into broadcasting was actually in hockey and it was hosting junior hockey. Uh, So I was doing junior hockey hosting for a few years for um, the Brampton Battalion then. Now they're the North Bay Battalion. Um, And then I went on and did a little bit of anchoring as well for um, a Rogers company or Rogers television station called City News Channel. Did... Uh, Some more anchoring and reporting blogging you name it. I've done pretty (laughs) much everything radio producing Um, I've been behind the scenes. I wrote and edited highlights Um, What else have I done? Like I (laughs) have literally have tried like everything in the industry and so after about two and a half years at um, City News Channel the channel unfortunately went under and I got my opportunity with Sirius XM. So Um, Yeah, I was with them, thus finished my seventh season with them. So uh, I would always like when one door would close, a window would open for me in broadcasting. And that's like, you know what? I'm one of those people who I go with, I go with the flow and I try to like seek signs from the universe and see, you know, I'm like, if this wasn't for me, then I wouldn't be getting these opportunities all the time. You know what I mean? So I'd Mm -hmm. always kind of go from one opportunity to another, to another, always had work Um, Always had a side job, too, to kind of support myself, but always ended up having work. And yeah, like I said, my last foray was at uh, Sirius XM for like seven seasons.
0: So speaking of that, um, your career kind of came to an end abruptly. And I know a lot of us hockey fans and everybody that listens to XM was so sad to see you go. And and I want to get into really, you sent a tweet that spoke so deeply to me and I think a lot of women out there, and I want to get to that in a minute, but what was the final straw for you to finally say, this is it, I'm done, I'm leaving XM and I'm leaving NHL Hockey Radio?
1: So two things happened during this pandemic, actually. It's funny how we all are like, we want 2020 to be over and how this pandemic has like ruined a lot of good things. But I truly believe that a lot of great things have happened this year because we got a chance to kind of stay at home, reflect and see what's really meant for us, what's not meant for us. So one of the two things that happened to me was uh, an assistant professor at Ryerson University here in Toronto reached out to me and said she was doing um, a study about women in sports broadcasting, in, in radio sports broadcasting, sorry. And she said, listen, you're one of 13 women right now with a job across Canada who has like a regular hosting job. And when I heard those numbers and she we did this like long interview, um, she talked to me about a lot of stuff that I experienced, like, you know, things about my wages or opportunities given, not given, um, just all those kinds of things. And when she kept, you know, kind of prying at all these things, it was stirring up a lot of like, anger inside because mm-hmm. it's true. I was experiencing a lot of these things. And I guess because being in sports, listen, we're in like a bro mentality. I don't know <laughs> how else to kind of kind of put that, but we're always like, I, I've heard the locker room talk, like nothing offends me. I go with the flow with that kind of stuff. I'm not, you know, I just kind of, I've always kind of rolled with the punches in that regard. But when she was really like throwing me these statistics and asking me these really hard questions, it really made me look and think. And I'm like, you know what, you're right. There has been so many times or there have been so many times in which I was faced with gender bias in the industry. And it just kind of like made me mad because it's not who I am as a person. I'm always one to stand up for myself. I'm always one to speak truth. I'm always one looking for like justice, always. So it was making me even more conflicted inside. So that was the first thing that happened. So it really kind of brought everything to the forefront for me. And then with the pandemic, I'll tell you the whole story. I have no problem telling this story. (laughs) Great. Um, Yeah. So with the pandemic, obviously, the season, the NHL season, came to a halt, uh, an abrupt halt, right? Um, We all knew return to play was eventually going to happen, right? We all (laughs) could see it in the news. What the – what the eventuality was going to be in terms of the bubble cities and all that kind of stuff. So we knew there was an agenda, right? We knew that the season was pretty much going to start on August 1st. We knew there were, every team was going to have one exhibition game. Like none of this stuff was a surprise to anybody. We had like a good two week leeway, right? Okay. Well everybody had a good two week leeway. So I thought I was going to get informed about what was going to happen in terms of broadcasting the return to play. Mm -hmm. Well, the day, the day the season started, so the day that what every team got their um got that one exhibition game, I get an email in the morning saying, Hey, you know, because we're not really allowing anybody back into the building, no one's coming back into the building, everyone's broadcasting from home, we don't have enough equipment for you. So you won't be doing ice cap. And I was like but and and then it said but we will still be having ice cap going on so i'm like okay so there's not enough equipment for me well that night on twitter i noticed that the person one of the people who also hosted ice cap because i wasn't the only ice cap host there was two of us so the other person hosting ice cap who was at the station for less amount of time he had equipment at home so my next question was okay well, how do you decide who gets equipment and who doesn't? Because it's not based on time service, because if it was based on, you know, like seniority, then I would get equipment, because mm-hmm. I've been there longer, right? So I asked, okay, how how do you determine who gets equipment and who doesn't? Because this obviously doesn't seem very fair. Um, and I asked all sorts of questions, like, Why can't we buy more equipment? Why can't we rent equipment from other companies that may not be using equipment? Why can't we come up with a rotating system? I asked all these questions. That would make sense to ask, right? I need a good, valid explanation as to why I'm not gonna be on air, but you know, Joe Blow is gonna be on the air, right? Like with less experience or with less time at the station. I never got an explanation. Never got an explanation, nothing. That's it, and it just left it as, open-ended so that was my final straw I was like I don't even get the respect of an email in return like I was dumbfounded like I couldn't believe that I like after six and a half years of taking every night shift that you ask after you know I only worked nights and weekends never got an opportunity to do during the day stuff like I was like I'm done I don't I don't need this kind of negativity mm-hmm. anymore. So yeah, that's, that was the linchpin for me. The, there's
2: a lot to unpack there. And I've got a couple follow up questions to <laughs> yeah. that. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know what the Canadian laws are and what jurisdiction, because I guess XM is a, an American company or whatever. Did you ever think about taking it to some sort of legal or threatened legal action to them? And I also want to know what your male co-host, because I think in this whole journey as women in all these different industries, it takes the men to also, you know, be, have the same initiatives and the same goals to bring in women. What did he do or say in the following days and weeks?
1: So that male co-host, I've never, I haven't even heard from him. That one male co-host that got work, because this is how it, this is how it works for me to speak up and say something, obviously I mean, I get it, it's it's not an easy thing to do because people are scared for their jobs, right? And already in this pandemic, people are losing jobs left, right, and center, especially in the media industry, mm-hmm. or especially in the sports media industry because we have so much less to talk about, right? So you're right. seeing cuts everywhere. So that's the first issue where it's like, I had some um male co-hosts. I have one really good friend from uh, XM still who, when that article came out from The Athletic, he was willing to talk because he knew that I had felt this kind of gender bias previously. And he was always in support of me. And whenever he got an opportunity to host, say, like a day show in the summertime, of course, it would only be in the off season, by the way. So when he got a chance to host and fill in uh, during off season, he would bring me on as his co-host. So he would be the person sparking that initiative to get me on during the day and during you know those kind of time slots um so he's the only one however that was like support still supportive other other ones who i was still friends with are too scared to kind of say anything because they don't want to lose their jobs right Mm -hmm. so that's the problem right you're basically how i how i kind of equate all of this it's like being a witness to a murder and then or and then going up to the stand and then all of a sudden, like, you're too scared to go up to the stand, right? Like, that's honestly because that's how I feel where it's like, yeah, you were there. Yeah, you've seen this stuff. Yeah, you've heard me complain about this stuff before. But when it comes to, like, my well-being, I can't risk my well-being to also help you out, you know? And it's mm. – mm you can't, uh, and I can't blame them because I, I understand we're in hard times now. Right. So I understand where this fear comes from. And especially if you have, you know, family to take care of and everything as well. Um, but it just kind of sucks when you're on my end, you kind of feel like you're by yourself, right? Mm-hmm. You're on an Island. Sorry. What was your other question? Kelly? Uh, about, <laughs> about legal action. Oh, legal action. Okay. So um, I was on a couple other podcasts right before the athletic article came out and a couple of people actually said like, you know, you have something here like mm-hmm. you and I have the emails, too. That's why it's like I have written proof of that was the exchange. So it's not like I don't. It's like, you know, he says, she says kind of a deal. I actually have written exchange. But here's how I think. I don't want to stir up negativity because. I feel like me standing up should be a positive thing, even though it's a negative topic, but I also don't want to like stir up more negativity and just be that person, you know what I mean? Like I kind of feel like this is, that would be a perpetual negative motion and and a negative emotion that I'd be constantly living in where it's like I have to relive the BS Mm -hmm. of feeling gender bias where it's like, you know what, I've cut ties, screw you. Now hopefully you learn your lesson and we can all be better and we can all look at these situations in a different light now. That's, that's the only thing about, yeah, cause I have, I have been approached, let's just say about legal action.
0: Michelle, I want to go back
1: to this
0: tweet that you sent basically saying that you were leaving XM. And I remember, I actually remember I was at the dinner table sitting with my parents and my brother and his fiance. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this might be one of the most powerful and profound statements that I have ever seen from a woman in sports because I think it said everything that women, Kelly, I mean, I don't want to speak for Kelly, but everything that women at some point in their career, especially in sports, have experienced. And I don't think that we or at least myself ever had the courage to say those things. And for anyone listening, if you haven't checked it out, I do encourage you to go check out Michelle's Twitter to read the statement because it was profound. And I actually think I started crying because there were so many words in there that I just that for me in particular and other women, I don't think had the courage or strength to say. And I have a little quote just from the beginning of your tweet where you whatever you think or believe about how far we have come as an industry, society in terms of equality simply isn't true. Sexism and gender bias are still prominent. And you go on and you talk about the the women in Canada and how many women are working in sports radio and are hosts. But I wanna know. I know that wasn't written overnight. How long did it take for you to find those words to to you wrote it so eloquently? Um mm-hmm. Was it something that, I'm assuming it's not something that happened overnight, right? But I don't know, what was the moments in you trying to find the right words to say? And why did you feel the need to say those things?
1: Um, I wanted to say, I said a few things in there too. And that the, my biggest, I guess my biggest hurdle that I had to overcome with writing that was more like, I wanted it to be a powerful statement and i wanted it to show some anger but i didn't want it to be like a poor me kind of a statement you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like there is anger here because of also like i mentioned the part about you know women in sports how we're really not all represented you right. see one type of look on television and i really want that to get across because like i i don't have a problem talking about it too but like i suffer from body dysmorphia and i think being in like in the media you can't help because it's like always being judged and mm-hmm. you're always, right? Which is like, fine, yeah. you sign up for that. I totally get that. But at the same time, when you look at a woman in news and you look at a woman in sports, there's only like one type of woman that's being portrayed there, right? Like, especially here in Canada, I look and I looked at every single woman on TV in Canada in terms of sports. And it's like, it was one type of look. Yes, we've had more, um, you know, Uh, I have just more representation in terms of race now on television, but it's still one type of look, you know, Mm -hmm. you're not seeing, whereas men you'll put anybody on TV and it doesn't really matter as long as he knows his stuff. Well, why is it that the women don't be aren't regarded in the same way? So that was like my first point that I really wanted to talk about too, because like, you know, I stand at five, nine without shoes on. So whenever I went into a locker room, I'd be just as big and I'm like, I'm wide, I'm muscular, whatever. I'd be just as big as like some of the players, you know what I'm saying? And like, I never felt uncomfortable, but I know other people, I could see other people kind of felt uncomfortable. Like you could feel that vibe because I didn't fit into a specific look, a box, a tiny little box, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, it was important to throw that in there too, because I feel like there's a lot of young girls who probably You know look at social media and don't feel happy in their own skin and they don't feel like they're represented with what they see on television either you know so i really that to me was an important thing to put um and like i said i just i wanted to show the fact that i was angry but at the same time like i wanted people to feel empowered like Mm -hmm. the number one thing is to understand like no i this is what i deserve i know that i am good at my job i know i am hard working i know i am beautiful i know this i know this and if this employer doesn't want to see that then you know what you don't deserve my services anymore and i think we should look at it in that way instead of feeling like so bad about ourselves you know because i feel like a lot of women in media we like internalize all this shit, excuse the vulgarity, but we do, we end up like internalizing it. And that was like a big part of like the end point where it's like, no, like we shouldn't have to internalize this just because one friggin' loser doesn't, you know, like it's stuck in this old frame of mind, right? Where it's like the the same, it's the same look. You, the, the, same, the same type of man is in charge and they're looking for the same thing that they looked for for the past 40 years. Well, I hate to tell you, but it's not, it's 2020 now, you know, where people look for different things. People want different things. It's not just about what you want and what you think traditionally worked, right? That's like saying, like, think about, how far we've gone in all these different sports hockey has evolved right like mm-hmm. every sport has evolved over the last 40 to 50 years why is it that media hasn't really evolved you know what i'm saying like yeah it,
2: it, it, it's interesting you say that so you're stirring up a lot of like Sorry. emotions <laughs> for me right now because yeah. like i used to work in terrestrial radio um and we were a music station targeted towards women um and next door to us in our cluster was a, an all a sports station here in DC that covers all things sports you know a couple guys hosting the morning show you know doing their thing and i'm a big baseball fan and i remember when we, when i started working i wanted to get access to the players and to some of the things and we had an official partnership with with our MLB team here the Nats and they kept on saying oh well we'll send over a mascot or we'll we'll tell you about the store opening we have some new apparel at the store or we'll hey hey, we got some new food that's coming out this season you can you cover that and it was never like and I would see my literally in the studio next door to me have players coming in rotating in and out I'm like why can't I get these players why what's the big deal oh well maybe you could talk to their wife their wife is doing a charity event (laughs) And and so you're stirring up a lot for me right now. But it it took a woman, I have a point to this, it took a woman that got into an executive level with the Nats to kind of say, hey, this girl's a huge fan. She This is a no-brainer for us to give her whatever she wants. She's going to not go after us over anything because she loves the team. She loves sports. Let's let her have some access to stuff. So my question to you is as we're seeing some of this movement whether it's women um, on the field being a referee at the NFL, we've got a woman you know, coach now in the NFL, we've got a general manager for the Marlins and, and, and the MLB, that wave, I would hope, and I want to hear your opinion, would pull the media to the other side because those women will start demanding that. What, yeah. what are your thoughts on that?
1: I, that's, that's what I'm thinking too. I'm hoping, because at the end of the day, it's like it's the same people who are in charge of, you know, media, it's like this, so, like you said, uh, maybe that will be the linchpin where it's like, it'll take a woman's kind of like openness to to be like, listen, why not try this? But at the same time, hopefully we could see women in charge like in media too, like we're not really seeing the women in charge in media, we're still seeing the same old, same old, right? So um, the hope is there, but whether or not it's actually going to be trickled down is still like, I I don't, I I don't know. I'm just like, I feel like it's going to take a long time for, for us to see this change. Unfortunately, I think it's taken this long to see women in charge in terms of, you know, the general managers and uh, seeing coaching and stuff, but maybe the snowball effect will happen and it will happen fast, but I still kind of feel like, I don't know it's it's slow it's slow progress i'm like i don't know i i i hope it's it's faster i hope everyone's been kind of like shaken up by all this so what
0: else do you think then needs to change if it's yes the higher-ups the people that are hiring these women is it the way we perceive women in society i mean because i even know social media plays a huge role too right in terms of What women are expected to look like in television. And then they have these social media profiles. And if they don't look perfect, then no one's going to follow them. So, what else then do you think needs to change? Yes, the higher ups need to hire more women, but I don't know. There has to be something else, right?
1: I know. And the thing is, too, it's like, how do you get men to be on board with this? Right. Like, that's really what it is. We need everybody to be on board, right? Like, it just can't be women fighting for women all the time. Right, Because it's like it's our perspective we're just gonna right. it's got to be like everyone fighting towards the same thing and It's got to get to the point where How do you not make men threatened? like that's really like <laughs> it's an interesting one because it's like they, they might they might feel threatened in a lot of different ways where it's like oh well She could potentially change my she could protect potentially take my job or if I speak up about this like I was telling you guys earlier I might lose my job for speaking out so like how do we make this a safe environment like that's mm-hmm. I think part of it like how do we make this all safe so that you you can have the courage to to say something like like I to be honest I don't even know what's happened even like at my old place at my old place of work like have I don't know like nothing I, I don't even think I think he probably still my boss probably still has his job Right. And to at the end of the day, I didn't do what I did to make someone lose their job either. Right. But at the same time, you need some sort of a like a wake-up call. Right? You need a drastic wake-up call for something to change too, right? So I'm kind of stuck. I don't want anything bad to happen to other people by me making this, you know, statement, but at the same time, what is going to trigger right change? Did you get any fallout
0: or backlash, or even on the other side, positivity? You're not working in broadcasting, right? Um, I guess I have a lot of questions. Would you be interested in going back to it? And did anybody even reach out to you afterwards to say, hey, I loved your statement, we want
1: you to come work for us? No. Nope. I'm laughing. I'm laughing because it's like, you guys are very sweet. And you're all, everyone who asks me this question, You guys, you could tell what kind of people you are. You're amazing, genuine people, because that would be the natural reaction. But I knew as soon as I threw that out there that I wasn't going to get a call from anybody because who wants to hire the whistleblower? Like no one wants to do that. No one, like look at Colin Kaepernick. Like that man was without a job, right? And at the time that he did that, you could say that now he may not be qualified. Fine. It's like four or five years later. But at the time, he was still decent enough to be on the field. Mm -hmm. Like, he was still a decent enough quarterback to be on the field. And he wasn't on the field. And I don't want to compare myself to Colin because that was obviously a very big statement. But it's the same kind of a thing where it's like that whistleblower technically doesn't ever get called back. Because it's like you don't want that kind of person in your company, the person that speaks up. You don't want that person for some strange reason right? Like, it's sad to say, but it's the truth. Like, I have no problem saying it now, because whatever, but unfortunately, like, none of those companies, and I've worked for Sportsnet, I've worked for TSN Radio, nope, nothing. Instead, what they've done is they've, like, they've tried to, like, celebrate, I guess, the women that already work there, and so, like, the women Mm -hmm. that already work there are getting better opportunities now and stuff, but, like, I'm over here, but (laughs) <laughs> no no one you know what I mean like I'm over here, no one's asking me anything, no one's so it's just I find that kind of I find it funny, but I knew that was gonna happen at the same time I knew it I knew it,
2: wow, well, I don't know how you stay um positive. it sounds like you try to like pick your battles or the things that you think about so you can stay positive like you were referring to about doing the lawsuit I mean what what are you doing today? Do you focus on this as part of your day? Like, how do you move forward? How do you focus on kind of the next stage of your career?
1: Um, so right now, I uh, I teach uh, martial arts and self-defense. So I'm actually pretty busy. I have a lot of clients. Um, so it's like I'm, a, I'm technically a personal trainer, I guess you could say, in that regard. But most of the stuff that I do in training are martial arts. And as mentioned, like I do self-defense workshops and stuff like that because I'm really, really into female empowerment and I really mm-hmm. want women to feel safe. Like that's a really big one for me. And I, to me, I think of things like what's happening through COVID. So for instance, like this is north of the border um, and I, w- I don't know any of the stats south of the border, but when I hear things like, so we have an assaulted women's helpline here in Canada. Now, the average per year of women that call in is 50,000 women a year called to this assaulted women's helpline to get help with in terms of resources, places that they could go, perhaps shelters, stuff like that, because they do not feel safe in their own homes. This year, between the uh, months of March to September, so during that crazy time of lockdown here in Canada for COVID, there were 55,000 phone calls in that six month period so people are suffering like women are suffering and women like have feel like they have no way out they feel disempowered they feel they don't feel safe and like for me that's a really 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 big thing for me so i have been focusing on stuff like that so um i'm doing a self defense seminar over zoom this weekend i don't even know how that's going to go but i'm you know i'm hopefully doing i want to continue doing stuff like that because this stuff really hits home for me and i really want to help i want to help women you know yeah. like i feel like we've been voiceless for a long time we've you know we just there's still so many women we're in, this is 2020 like you know what i mean like to me i i still can't believe shit like this happens, it friggin' bothers the hell out of me, like, because I grew up very lucky, I grew up in a, you know, a household, a loving household, where I got to experience a lot of things, like, uh, a lot of very positive things, being in the sports world, you know, had two, you know, very good parents that always supported me and took me places, like, and not everybody has that, and and not everybody is, you know, lucky enough to experience that. And it affects them when they get older and then they maybe get into either relationships or situations that are unsafe. So that's why it's like to me, I really want to help people um realize their worth. Like that's such a big thing to me, like having someone realize like how valuable they are and just living that and when you live that it's different you're you speak differently you act differently you you engage differently with people so yeah sorry so I'm doing all that I got went on a little bit of a tangent there but that really like is such a big thing for me which is why I had to do the statement too because here I was living a lie Courtney you know yeah. I felt like I was living a lie like I'm I'm i keep wanting to give an example to like the kids that I coach and the people I train, I keep giving this example of empowerment and here I am being disempowered in a situation that is complete bullshit. And it's like, no, I, I, I couldn't live a lie. And that's why I had to do what I did regardless of the cost, because for it, the cost, the most important cost is my benefit is my right. mental health is my, how I want to live my life. Right. And how I want to, Uh, this is, this is me hopefully helping other people. Right. So anyways, but yeah, that's, that's why all that kind of stuff. Like I did what I did. I was, I felt like I was being such a hypocrite, you know?
0: Well, you certainly are a motivation and inspiration, um,
1: add motivational speaker to your list. Uh, (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um, Honestly, like that's one thing that I'm really trying to get into too. You've obviously, obviously it's kind of ruined, like COVID's kind of ruined a lot of things like that. Um, But I would love to do this kind of stuff because, man, women are powerful. And I kind of feel like we've been told from a very small age that we're not, you know, like, no, don't like, it's opposite. It's totally opposite. (laughs) Well, Michelle, we thank
0: you so much for sharing your story. Um, And I hope that other women out there can take some inspiration from what you've said and your words. I know Kelly said it's a lot to unpack. Um, I know. We're going to have to dissect this one um, for a little bit too and let the words sink in. But we thank you so much for for joining us and talking and being so very candid about women, women in sports, things that need to change and your experiences. We really appreciate you um, sharing your story with us. And we hope that your story can be an inspiration to other women out there.
1: Thank you, ladies. I really appreciate um, the opportunity and I really appreciate you guys because I mean, you guys are the first female hosts that have contacted me. So like wow. that. You, in terms of like wanting to talk a little bit more in depth about this too. So thank you so much. Cause that obviously says a lot about your character as well. And like you keep doing what you do, what you're doing, like soldier on and like keep going. But also at the same time you get rid of that negativity, right? Like <laughs> life is too short. Life is too short to get rid of it, to, you know, live in a constant state of negativity. You know, you're both beautiful, intelligent women. So keep killing it and keep setting very good examples for like all the women in the D.C. area and like in the sports uh, atmosphere.
0: Well, if you want to come on and tell Kelly, us that, tell Kelly and I that every day, you, know, you want to pump up <laughs> <Yeah>. our tires. <laughs> nice. OK, anytime. <laughs> that was awesome. Michelle Strino, thank you so very much um, for all of your words. Again, thank you for joining us.